Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. I've been hearing a lot of conversation lately in, in circles, Christian circles, and non-Christian uh, circles, that people are no longer really attracted to being a part of a church. They're okay with Jesus. They love Jesus, but they don't really see the need to be involved in a church. And the number one reason that it seems to be that they're not attracted to the church, or one of the main complaints is that the church never does anything to minister to the community. I see this particularly true in the younger generation. Uh, is that, that they said, I can't, I can't see the reason to be involved in the established church because the established church is not doing anything. One of the things that we discovered last week when we had y'all fill out those two little sheets is that uh, we got some, some great responses. I appreciate everybody responding. We got like 90 responses, something like that. In the first service, which is which is very good, you know, Bible study and fellowship. Well, that was that was the Bible study and fellowship. But when we get to the second service, which is basically comprised of college, younger and some younger adults, the splattering of senior adults, the number one response was ministry and service to others. Ministry and service. To so I, I tell you that to say what we're running into is is a is a paradigm shift in the church. Is that particularly with millennials and with younger individuals, they want to see a church out ministering in the community, making a difference in the world. Why? Because they want to change the world. And it says the church is not going to do that. Guess what? They're joining us. They'll be a part of another organization that's doing those things. So people are not as quite attracted to the church as they used to be because the church is not ministering in the community. We do a good job of being the church scattered, but we're not being a good job of the church scattered. Scattering out into the community and being the hands and being the feet of Jesus Christ. And if, if we're not careful, we can do that. We do a lot of refurbishing in our church, and we need to. You know, we need we do refurbishing. And you couldn't help but walk in the morning and say, something's going on here. We're refurbishing the church. Why? Right, you're more attractive. We're moving in the 21st century. You know, when you have facilities, you've got to take care of facilities. You change them up. You make them effective. So we're doing that. But we're not careful. We will follow the trap saying, well, all that's done. Now we don't have to do anything else. See, we'll fall into that trap. Thinking that all we've got to do is take care of the facility. It's not an either or. It's a both and. We do both simultaneously as we're trying to serve in the kingdom of God. If we examine the first century church, they did not fall into the trap. They did not fall into the trap of thinking it only happened in the local facilities. That it only happened on a, a, a Sunday morning. They moved out amongst the people and they ministered to the community at large. They knew there was more than gathering together for worship. They knew there was more than gathering together for fellowship. They knew there was more for discipleship. They knew there was more than just getting together and doing fellowship. They knew that was not all there was to their faith. They knew that their faith had to move them from the seat out into the street. They knew they had to extend their reach through the ministry into the community. We've been looking at the five purposes of the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You see them up here. Church on purpose. Worship, 
discipleship, fellowship. Today we move into ministry, the fourth purpose. And they're not in any particular order. This is just an order that I think that, that they need to be expressed and explained. Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, 22 through 47 again. By the end of this series, you ought to have that pretty much nailed down. Uh, uh, where we're going with that. Man, if you can't go back and, and, and give people that, that passage, then I haven't done a good job of explaining it to you. We're going to look at these words again under the heading Ministry with Purpose. You follow along as you read in God's Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One truth. Ministry with purpose extends God's kingdom. Ministry with purpose extends God's kingdom. Now some of you are going to have a problem with that. You're going to have a theological problem. Say, you mean that because you're going to say God can do whatever he wants anytime he wants. He does not need any help. Theologically you're correct. Practically it's not correct. You see God can do anything he wants but here's what God says. He chooses to use his body. He chooses to use his people. Listen. If God, God had the power to save humanity, but He chose to do it through the body of Christ. He chose to do it through Jesus Christ. God has the power to perform ministry and miraculous things in this community, but He chooses to use His body to accomplish it. He chooses to use us to do it. He wants us to be out. Look at verse 45. It says, selling their possessions of goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And I thought about that passage. Who is the anyone in that passage? Is this relegated just to the church? Is it relegated just to that 3,120 people? Or does it include anyone who had need? It says, anyone who had need is what it says in that passage. They were a church who was about helping people in need and they would de demonstrate the love of Christ by helping people in need. <coughs> I don't want you to think this was a, 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 a sharing was a, was a one-time act of ministry. Churches sometimes make the, make the mistake of thinking, okay, we'll do a ministry, a block party here, we'll do a mission trip here. Okay, we did that. We limit it to one thing that we do one time a year and we feel better about ourselves. We check it off. There needs to be those type of things, but it needs to be an ongoing ministry, an ongoing outreach within the church. You see, we like to check it off the list. I've done my missions for the year. I've done my ministry for the year, and we check it off. But I think when you examine the New Testament church, when you, when you look at it, you'll see just a casual look reveals that this is who they were. This is a part of the DNA of the early church. It wasn't something they checked off to participate in. This was who they were. Let me just walk you through the book of Acts. And kind of show you how the DNA of the church reveals itself by the actions of the church, by the actions of the apostles. 
If we look at chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we see one of the very first things they're doing is that they're, they're, they're healing the sick. They, pray, they, they heal the, the, the man begging at the temple. Beautiful. It wasn't an organized activity. They didn't get together and was, okay, now this next Sunday we're going to do this. No. It was as they were on their way to church, as they were on their way to this, to pray that they noticed the individual and they met his deeds. It's just something that came naturally to them. As we go over to, to chapter 4, we notice in chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. Can you imagine that? A church, a New Testament church, and all the believers were one in heart and mind. It's saying that, 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 that they were united Spiritually, They were united mentally. They were in, involved emotionally. It says no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Verse 34 says there were no needy persons among them. Can you imagine that? No needy persons among them. There were no needy persons among them. But from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money to the sales. And put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had needs. So when a need arose, they had the money there to meet the needs of the people. We go on, and we see in chapter uh, 5, verses uh, 12 and following, that the church is ministering to the sick, and many of those sick people were healed from the power in the church. In chapter 5, verse 17, we see the apostles began teaching the people... Even though they were told by the authority, don't you do that. Don't you be out there teaching and preaching and visiting people. Now today, if somebody was to tell us, we were out there preaching, somebody said, you better stop that. We would cower in fear. Oh, well, we better not do that. They might slap our hands. <clears throat> the apostles, they said, we're going to obey God and not man. They were out there preaching and teaching to the people. When we get into chapter 6, you see that great passage. Some people say it's the choice of deacons. That's debatable. The choice of deacons. But notice what it says in that passage. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Did you hear that? Daily distribution of food. This wasn't something they did on Sundays. It wasn't something they did, hey, come to the church, we'll give you a potluck, we'll serve you a meal. Daily distribution of food. In other words, this was the original meals on camel, is what it was. <coughs> meals on donkey, is what it was. People in the church, people in the community are hungry. Guess what? We're going to take them some, some food. That may not have been much. It may have been uh, bread, it may have been bread, it may be a salted fish. But that, it was food. Every day they met the needs of the widows. Boy, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if the church could get back to taking care of the people's needs instead of depending upon the government to meet their needs? Wouldn't that be great? That almost sounds biblical. Wow. Never hear a politician say that, do you? You know why? They never get elected. That's the reason why. Sometimes I just want them to tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. This is what they were doing. And then we look over chapter 7. We continue. It says that, that they were sharing with those who opposed them. We see actually Stephen getting stoned for actually sharing the truth of the scripture. 
He did that. We go over to chapter 8 at First Church. We see that, that they begin ministering to the sick and many of them are healed in chapter 8. We go into chapter 8, we see them crossing racial and, and cultural walls by beginning to reach out to the people in Samaria. Remember the Samaritans are the hated people. You know, they, they, they don't really have a race. They're, they're a race between one group and another group. They're, they're hated, but they're reaching out to the Samaritans. And then you go on and you look in verse 26, they begin to reach out to the Ethiopian eunuch. They, they begin crossing racial and cultural barriers. And then in chapter 9, we see the church reaching out to the very ones who persecuted the church. The first thing we see is Ananias going to Saul of Tarsus, the one who's persecuting the church, and laying his hands on him and said, Saul, Saul, I got good news for you. Can you imagine that? You ever want to go in the hospital? You ever want to miss the sick? Paul, Saul, blind. He goes in there, lays his hands on his brother Saul. He calls him brother. And he affirms him. He affirms him. Not only that, not only does Ananias do it, but then Barnabas takes, the, the, takes Saul and introduces him to the entire church. So we see them ministering to those who oppose him. We go on over to the chapter uh, 9, verse 32 and following. We see a ministry to the sick. We see them ministering to the handicapped. And in verse 39, we see them ministering to those who grieve, to grieve just this week. Guys, I don't know what is going on here. Uh, I don't know why God puts these people in my path, but I cannot help them. I have three people this week alone, two of them calling me to pray with them in the midst of their grief. These are not church members. These are people calling us out of the one call came out of the office, the other email wanted to come by. And then one of them was an actual member in the congregation of Australia for three. Three in one week. Three. What's going on? So I'm one of these guys. I'm trying to be, well, is God working here? Do I need to join him in where he's working? And so I mean I said, well, who can I put? Who can I say, hey, we need to have a grief share? Ministry once again. But the point is, the early church was ministering to those who were grieving. We go to chapter 10 of the book of Acts. We see that all of a sudden the church begins to minister to those who were unclean, those who were considered enemies of the church, as, as, as Peter reaches out to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, the dreaded enemy, the occupiers. He begins to minister to them. But then, then it gets really radical. I mean, Peter is really stepping out here. We look down in, the, in verse uh, 25, 24 of that passage later on. That actually has 24. Peter takes this heathen. He takes this pagan. He takes this unclean, uncircumcised Gentile. Guess what he does? He baptizes him. Uh-oh. You know what he just did? When he baptizes him, that means he's them into the church. He's making them a part of the body of believers because he's baptized them. We go on and we get over to chapter 11. In chapter 11 we see the church working with other churches to meet needs around the world. Now I can go on and on and on through, through chapter 12, 13, all the way to verse chapter 28 and see how they're in the church. I think you get the point. When you look at Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, and you see that it was not a one-time thing, something they did. It was 
part of who they were as an early church. They were involved in ministry in and around their community. Meeting needs. Meeting people where they were. It's not something they did occasionally, but it's who they were as believers. And the fact of the matter is, ministry truly is an act of service. Being a servant is commanded by God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Let no one seek his own, each other the other's well-being. Years ago, at the Seattle Special Olympics, a group of phenomenal athletes met together. They were mentally handicapped, some of them physically handicapped, but they got together to run the 100 meters. And so uh, you know, they were there, and about 10 of them lined up there to run, and the gun was sounded, and they all started running the race. You know, not real fast, but with zeal, with enthusiasm, running the race. All nine of them started out, the 10th one kind of stumbled over himself, rolled over on the ground, and began crying. The other nine heard his cry, and they stopped, and they turned around, and they went back to the little boy laying on the ground. One little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him on the forehead and said, this will make it better. And then they all, got picked him up. They leaned the arms, and they all finished the race arm in arm. The crowd erupted in cheers for 10 minutes, standing ovation and clapping for the athletes that pulled together. I think that is a perfect picture of what service and ministry is all about. You know what service and ministry is all about? It's helping others to win. It's helping others to win the race. It's helping others be all they can be in Christ. It's helping individuals run the race that is set before them. That's what the book of Hebrews chapter 12 says. We ought to run the race that is marked out for us. It says, he doesn't say you ought to run the race. He says we ought to run the race that's been marked out for us. And we ought to help others in running the race. I think some of us, because we're so much faster than the others, you, know, you get the fast guy up front, and then he turns around and starts blocking. <laughs> no, no. You're supposed to run back and say, let me help you. Let me help you. Guys, we're not competing here. We're not in competition. We're running this race together so that what? We can reach the end. We ought to run that race together. For some, that's helping Christians be all they can be in Christ Jesus. I would never be as content as a pastor as long as the majority of the congregation sits soaps and salvage. I, I, I won't be. It's my job. My job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's what my job is. That's one of the primary purposes of my job. It's not to entertain you. It's not to give you warm fuzzies. It's not to give you a feather in your hat. It's to encourage you to be all you can be in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so for some of you as Christians, it's for you to get in the race and, and help those ones who are struggling. Help those ones who are straggling. To get in the race and help them win the race. That's for Christians. But hey, look, it's also for non Christians. For non Christians, it's to help them come to know Jesus Christ and want to save their life. It's not about just to feed the hungry 
clothe the naked and give uh, water to the thirsty or to visit those in the prisons or to take care of the orphans or to take care of the widows and take care of the sick. It's for the purpose of bringing them into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the fact of the matter is that we feed all the hungry in the world and we clothe all the naked and we give all the water and we visit all the sick and we visit everybody in the prison and we take care of all the widows and we take care of all the orphans and we don't send them free tell them about Jesus we send them to hell. We haven't accomplished anything. So we do ministry for the purpose of giving us an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them so they can respond to the gospel and then guess what? They can get in the race with us. That's what it's all about. That's why we do those things. If people have a heart for God, listen, if people have a heart for God, then they will have a heart to ministry. Because it's who they are. All ministry flows out of our relationship with God. First ministry flows out of what God pours into our hearts and lives. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this. God has poured out His love into our hearts. Did you hear that? God has poured out His love into our hearts. And because God has poured out His love into our life, it means that that it should be reciprocated. It should be seen in others. But too many of us were stagnant. And there's no life in us. We're kind of, there's a, a great ecological illustration of this. In the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea gets its water from the mountains of Lebanon. That come down in the streams and it flows into the river. And the river flows into the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee flows into the Jordan River, which flows into the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea is dead because nothing lives in the Dead Sea. There's fish. There's life in the Sea of Galilee. There's life in the Jordan River. Why is there not life in the Dead Sea? Well, it's because of salt. Well, no. We know animals live in salt water. Why is it? Because there's no outlet for the water to go. It goes nowhere. It just stays there, pulls up, and it becomes stagnant. And there's no life in the Dead Sea. It's the same thing in Christian life. Too many followers of Jesus receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing. But they have no outlet for the blessing to go. And so they become lifeless. They become as dead as a Dead Sea. They become stagnant. Not only does ministry flow out of what God pours in our lives, but it also flows out of our relationship with others. The more relationship and the more community we have, the more ministry and service will actually happen naturally. And, and, and it's, it's not structured. I don't have anything against structured ministry. We should do those times when we as a church organize something and get together. But true ministry takes place without the church having to sanction it, without the church having to officially designate it as a ministry of the church. But, it, but it's an opportunity that gives a, a means to reach people with the love of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. Boy, you want to talk about church of the trouble? Corinth. Boy, they had it all. But listen to what he says. He says, though I am free, 
and belong to no man. I make myself a slave, or you could translate a servant. I make myself a servant to everyone to win as many as possible. And then Paul goes through some examples in that passage. Then he gets down to verse 23, 22. He said, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save them. This is where I get my acronym, wig take. What's it going to take to win our community to Christ? What's it going to take for us to win Waco, Texas to Jesus Christ? What's it going to take for us to win McLennan County for Jesus Christ? What's it going to take? Paul said, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. Then he says in verse 23, I do all this. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. He says, the reason I become all things to all men, that I might therefore win some to Christ, is all because of the gospel. The gospel saved me. Now I have a responsibility in light of the gospel. Because I do it all. And, and he says, so that I may share in its blessings. He said, by serving others, and being involved in ministry, we have the opportunity to experience the blessing of the gospel in their lives. So it's all simple. It all comes around. You know what comes around goes, what goes around comes around. We are blessed by the good news of the gospel. So because of that, we go out and we bless other people with the good news of the gospel. And then we are blessed by the fact that they receive the blessing. It just goes around and around and around. I've always said we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's what God told, told Abraham. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you can be a blessing. He said, all, all people will be blessed through you. So Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Did you know that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing? That's right. Listen, if you don't get that, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand it. The truth is, if we are going to accomplish what God would have us to do, we need everyone on the We need everyone pulling their way. Everyone sharing the love. We must decide that the overall purpose for which we are, we are striving it's important enough to give ourselves in more than just a casual way. We must decide that the gospel is worth investing our life. Really, it all comes down to that key word in verse 42, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves. Are you devoted to the gospel? I mean, are you really, really devoted to the gospel? Are you devoted to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you devoted to the good news of Jesus Christ? That word devoted means to be completely committed and sold out. That means if you're committed and you're, and you're totally sold out, it's going to be more than, than your spare time. It means more than giving your spare change. It means you're going to give your all. It means that you'll be supportive. It means that you'll be involved. It means that you'll be active participants in the task 
God has called us to do as a body of believers. One of the things that we're striving to do here at Western Heights is the concept of ministry teams. You've heard me talking about it. I'm going to keep talking about it until it actually happens. That's why then you won't be called on the guard when it happens. One of the things is we want to design ministry teams so that people can work in their area of giftedness, in their area of, that they're passionate about, and won't have to be tied down to some committee that they're not committed to, they're not passionate about, it's really not their gift. We want to free them up to do this. Some of those might be structured by the church, but the greatest idea that we would have is somebody coming to the staff saying, you know, I've got this idea for ministry, whatever it might be. Run with it. Run with it. God gave you the passion for it. You have our permission to pursue it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Run with it. Set the people free that they may serve God. We, we want to create an environment where we look beyond these walls to people who are hurting and people who are in need of what we have to share. God wants everyone involved. I know someone sees you. God bless you. I know you sit there and say, well, there's just not a whole lot I do. You know, I can always think outside the box. I think, how about a group of them gathering every Tuesday morning for, for a time of fellowship, there's that word fellowship again, and just sign cards saying, hey, we missed you in church, or hey, hope you get well, or say, I'm sending you a card for no reason other than I love you. He said, that's ministry. Yeah, it's ministry. If you get something in the mail, you know how much it means to you. I don't know how many people come to me and say, Pastor, thank you for that birthday card. Thank you for that birthday card. Mary Ann does just a great job of, y'all don't think I sent them off to make those, do you? I sign them. I sign every one of them. But Mary Ann, God bless her. She makes those cards, gives them me, and signs them. <coughs> I sign them. She sends them out. But guess what? Others can do it too. Can you imagine getting two birthday cards on your birthday? Two. It wouldn't be any money just a bit. Or how about how about gathering together every Monday morning and saying, hey, we're going to pray for the church every Monday morning. Just 10 to 11. We'll pray. Hey, and afterwards we might have cookies and lunch. You see, it's not a matter that there's not ministry. It's, you're not thinking outside the box. Or how about a group of ladies getting together and and, and making quilts and, and giving them to the, the NICU at Baylor Scott and Wild or to the newborn babies born in Providence. Or knitting little pillowcases. Whatever. There's all kinds of things you can do. And you don't even have to leave the farm. That's an old one. You don't have to leave the church. You can do it right here. But your ministry extends beyond the walls of this building. I mean, we had one church where I started out. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Let's go on. I'm getting to preach it, Brother Gene. You can't do that. Because then I got not get the meddling. <laughs> Ministry teams. God is looking for people who are fully committed to the gospel. Is that your desire? I hope it's your desire. I hope it's what you want. Perhaps you remember. But you're not really in it. You know, 
You're not really doing you know what you need to be doing. You know who you are. I don't have to tell you. You know who you are. I know who you are. This is more important. God knows who you are. God knows if you're not doing it. God knows if you're not involved. God knows. And maybe for you, God's word to you today is it's time to get involved. It's time to use your gifts. It's time to use your talents. So I don't know what my gift is. I said, well, I'll tell you what, you'll never know your gift if you get out there for a trap. Never know. Just get out there and try. I'd rather you find something you don't like and move on with something different than never try anything. That's what some of you need to be doing. For others of you, you're looking for a place to be a part. You're looking for a place where you can be involved in the process of making a difference in the world. You want to know what you do makes a difference. You want to know that what you contribute makes a difference. Perhaps God has brought you here because He wants you to be a part of this fellowship of believers. I'm going to tell you right now, but we're not there yet. We're not everything that God wants us to be. And you know what? We never will be. That's right. Until this side of glory. You know why we never will be? Because we all have a tendency to sin. We all have a tendency to selfishness. We all have a tendency to be self-control. We all have a, have a tendency to personal ambition. All of us. But every day we should be striving to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And every day we ought to be striving as a body to represent the fullness of Christ. So we're not there yet. You know, if you're looking for a church that's got their act together, we're not in it. The preacher doesn't even have his act together. Alright? So we're not there yet. But you know what? Maybe God has brought you to be a part of this fellowship of believers because you're a piece. And you fit together with the other pieces. And it might be, you might be the piece that connects with someone else who connects with someone else. All the puzzle pieces aren't in place yet. But you might be that piece that God is looking to bring and get connected with others to do ministry around our community. For others... You're looking for the meaning of life. You know there has to be more to life than this. And you're looking, I want to know how I can have a relationship with God. <coughs> I want to know how I can get connected to the Holy God. The Bible says there's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridge. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The only one. The only way to get to the Holy Father is through Jesus Christ. For some of you, for the very first time, you need to say, I've been, I've been counting on religion. I've been counting on the fact that I'm a Baptist to get me into heaven. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Not all Baptists will make it to heaven. You know who's going to make it to heaven? Those who do the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? First, to believe in the one that He sent. you got to believe in Jesus. Jesus never said, He never said, go to church and you'll be saved. He said, do good deeds and you'll be saved. He said, get right with one another and you'll be saved. He also did not say, you've got to run 10 miles to be saved. Some of us could never run 10 miles. He also did not say, you've got to be able to read 500 words. Because some of us can't read 500 words. He also didn't say, you've got to give $5,000 to church. Because some people can't give $5,000 to church. You know what Jesus said? He said, believe. Why? Because everybody can believe. It's so simple. It's so simple. 
It's not 21 steps and 10 methods to reach God. It's one. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. For some of you, that's what you need to do this morning. You need to get right with Jesus Christ by accepting Him as Lord and Savior. Confess your sins. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins and then commit your life to follow Him. And if you'll do that, you will be saved. You will be saved. Some of you need to do that this morning. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. Brother Kip's going to come. Cassie's going to come and play. Give you an opportunity to what you heard. Whatever that decision is. Maybe it's to recommit your life. Maybe it's to be a part of this fellowship of believer. Maybe it's for the first time to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. I can tell you how to receive, respond to the gospel this morning. If I can't do it, I know there's people here that can. We'll do that for you. Would you stand with me? As we pray together.